Hello everyone, welcome to Into Final Space, episode 6. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We have a super special episode today. I'm so excited to be welcoming one of my favorite artists and director of art on Final Space, Devo, Mr. Devin Roth, to the show this week. I cannot wait for you to be able to hear some of my questions, as well as those that you have submitted through Discord and through the Final Space subreddit. So, let's get right into it. All right, guys, I'd like to welcome Devo to the show today. He is joining me via Skype, and uh, thank you for talking with me. How are you? Good. What's going on, everyone? All right. Well, thank you again for joining me today. No problem. All I'm right. glad to be here. It's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday afternoon here in sunny California, and um, nothing I'd rather be doing than uh, talking with you and, and talking a little, a little final space. Awesome. Cool. All right, so to start off, can you uh, tell me a little bit about your art career and some of your background? Yeah, um, so I uh, I basically have, I've been in animation since I was 16 years old, and um, I'm 35 now, and I've been working, uh, I basically started as an intern um, pushing papers at Spumco, um, basically doing... Um, you know, just kind of helping around the office at the time and um, and learning some things here and there from um, from some of the artists that were around the studio. And at the time, they were doing a lot of uh, Flash. I think Flash was kind of just starting to, to break into the industry a little bit, but more on the, the, the web side of things. So it was, I think it was around 97 when I, when I was doing that. And um, I was... Essentially, uh, after after I did all of this, you know, interning, I they they ended up giving me some opportunities to uh, ink some some layouts, some character layouts for the goddamn George Liquor program, which I think that was the the shorts that we were doing at the time. And you know, you know, Flash was very uh, um, it, was, it was more of you know it was more of a web based program at the time, and you know. Um, we were we were trying to create content that would be not stream streaming wasn't even a thing yet um, but you would have to create content small enough to to be easily downloaded in a short amount of time so if anybody knows flash and the um, the capabilities that it had at the time you know the more drawings you put into a, a flash file the bigger the file size gets so um, which kind of limited the amount of you know work that you could put into um, a short piece of animation. So you would you would you know be making shorts that were probably a minute long, and you'd have to utilize the symbol aspect of it as much as possible, which is basically you're just you know drawing one drawing and um, using that the Flash's algorithm to basically keep this the file size small by using the same drawing over and over again and rotating it stretching it stuff like that so i did that for about uh, a short amount of time and then i got while i was in high school i found there was uh, a few more internships that were being offered um, um through my high school and uh i i applied for one uh to the studio called hyperion studios and they did like the brave little toaster, uh, the proud family, 
uh, Bebe's Kids, I think, was was a, another one that they had done. A lot of a lot of um, older, a lot of the older cartoons that I essentially grew up with as a kid, and it was it was a it was a great experience because they were also a small studio that was trying to experiment with the transition of going from traditional paper hand drawn animation and moving where essentially the market eventually went to digital animation flash you know flash kind of led the way to all of this stuff i'd say at this point now like 15 almost 20 years later it's probably you know i'd say harmony and tomb boom are probably leading the way um with how digital animation is is kind of the the standard in um today's animation and you know even even you know final space final space is all done in harmony all done in harmony toon boom and uh you know we have a studio an amazing studio up in uh canada named jamfield that works with us and they they do some of the best most amazing character animation i've i've had a, a privilege to be a part of and to see and um, I'm I'm so glad <laughs> that we went with these guys at the very beginning of our whole, you know, um, journey with Final Space because I, I don't know if you know this, but the way the way a lot of these these productions work is um, essentially what happens is you can you kind of come up with an idea. Final Space was um, essentially uh, a, a lower budget pilot that Olin had put together with, with some funding through uh, another organization named New Form. And, you know, that, that was the pilot that was essentially done on, you know, in YouTube. And, and then that blew up because of, of you know, Olin's experience with YouTube and, and whatnot. And essentially what happens is, you know, that, that is, a, that is, that is basically the to to sell the idea on final space it's it's not the 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 bigger picture but it's it's a great way to kind of get the ball rolling up on on a bigger idea so um uh but we could get we'll we'll get into that a little bit more um so i i essentially finished uh my my four years at hyperion studios you know kind of just learning everything i could i didn't really know what i wanted to do at the time this is before i got into art art school you know, I wanted to I, I wanted to be in animation. I wanted to do comic books first, but then I because of these internships were so much easier to get into than than comic book internships that I essentially just kind of stuck with it and and uh, learned as much as I could from um, the animation side of things. And I, I fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, because there were a lot of Disney animators that were working at Hyperion at this at the time, Bruce Smith um was uh, one of the big uh, big guys there that was a, a huge influence on me, and he created the the Proud Family, directed Baby's Kids, directed Space Jam as well, uh, animation direction, and he worked on some of the most amazing uh, Disney characters uh, like Kerchak from from Tarzan, Pacha from Emperor's New Groove, basically leading the animation on on a lot of that stuff and, and dozens more. I mean, I, I owe a lot of my career to the guys at Hyperion and, 
and guys like Bruce Smith, because when it came down to it, when I needed to kind of decide what I wanted to do after high school, um, I had to, you know, be, it's lucky, it's lucky for me to kind of, to be where I, where I am. I grew up in Glendale, California, which is pretty much near the hub of animation, you know, Burbank, Hollywood, that sort of thing. So I, I was lucky to kind of be around the area and, and to have such supportive parents that were able to kind of push me in, in this direction and give me, you know, um, whenever there were figure drawing classes at a community college, set me up with that, you know, just kind of pushed me in, in that more artistic direction because they knew that was a huge hobby and passion of mine. Um, and, uh, but, you know, those guys at Hyperion, essentially what my dad told me to do was, you know, you should get these these mentors to really, um, you know, you put the time in. You put four years every day after school, summers and stuff like that, devoting your 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 yeah, your summers and stuff to this. You should really see if these guys would be willing to write letters of recommendation for you to get into Cal Arts. So there was Art Center and Cal Arts at the time. I think those were the only two options I was looking at for art schools, and I think. I, I I lent myself. I kind of I kind of leaned more towards the art center side of things, or I'm sorry, the Cal Arts side of things, just because of the history that that came from it. You know, right. most of the cartoons that I grew up with, uh, the Flintstones, um, Powerpuff Girls, uh, Dexter's Lab, all of those kind of UPA style de- designy cartoons that I grew up with. Most of those guys came from CalArts. So, you know, that was a big um, inspiration and, and, and drive for me to, to try to get into school. And, you know, we would take tours at, at CalArts and they would tell us what type of, you know, portfolios you should prepare yourself with. So, you know, and we did this kind of early in my high school career. So it, it gave me a lot of opportunity to kind of, okay, you need to have figure drawing in your portfolio. You need to do not just put cartoons in your portfolio but you need to really show these people that you are motivated to to draw from life and understand how to do gesture drawings and and all these different aspects of what makes animation so unique in its own um and uh you know eventually you know having a a very strong portfolio that I, i put together for years and uh getting letters of recommendation from these alumni from cal arts I think was 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 super strong for me to um, you know I, I built a, a strong case for myself to get into Cal Arts, and then and then that whole experience at Cal Arts for you know I went there for four years, um, got my bachelor's from the school, and made made a film every single year because that was kind of required for us was to make our own short film, and you know there were there were different approaches to it, and I don't know if you know of a there, there's a school there's like a school in in, in Europe called uh, Goblins, which is like a heavily French school. And they do amazing, beautiful, beautiful work. And they do them, they do most of their films in teams, like large teams. So if you, if you happen to go on YouTube and look at some of their, their film festivals and, and films that they put up, they look damn near close to film quality, you know, looks multi-million dollar budget looking traditionally animated films and uh and i think what was cool about cal arts was that they let us 
do our films on our own and basically have control over every aspect of it. But also learn from everything that you're doing. So down from, you know, learning how to design characters, backgrounds, paint, um, editing, compositing, uh, all sorts of things. And me going in there, I had a strong kind of background in, you know, I, 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 I saw Flash as a huge opportunity for me to, to make short films that felt more finished. Because I, I always had a, a, a huge love for seeing the final product of something, you know, right. seeing yeah. something completed. And a lot of the, the, the films that were coming out of CalArts were very, um, you know, like pencil tests, like really yeah. amazingly animated pencil tests, which I thought was great. But I, I, I kind of I, I liked the idea of seeing something colored and, and you know, something finalized and. At the time, even when I was still at CalArts, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But it gives you that kind of um, that playing field to try different things to see what really sticks with you. You know, right. and I, I animated after after school for years, you know, commercials, TV shows, um, all sorts of things, you know, and mostly in Flash. And while I was in school, they told us that we couldn't use Flash at all. So I was traditionally trained. Um, from the beginning and then ultimately kind of snuck in my my love for doing digital animation flash and that sort of thing later and i think me and alex hirsch at the time we were the only two guys doing uh flash films and now i think they've they've opened the floodgates to letting anybody do um digital animation at cal arts you know it was very like kind of looked down upon um as something that was cheap looking um that would could potentially i guess take over a traditional medium that was you know loved for for decades and you know and and i and i completely understand and i think even at at this point after going through my whole experience of being a, a flash animator and and uh you know working in that kind of puppeting aspect of of moving characters and you know doing some traditional drawings every now and then now, now it's. I think it's completely all traditional. It's gone more towards the traditional realm of things. But before, you know, it, it really kind of when a new technology comes along, it really, it's really hard to to make a name um, for themselves because I think people are afraid of change a lot of times. And uh, but I, I always looked at it as a as a great opportunity, a great tool. To, to try different things, to, to, to try color, to try, um, you know, giving a higher quality look at something. And um, so, yeah, like, you know, myself, I, I, I did my first year film traditionally, and then my second, my third and fourth year film, I did like a mixture of both traditional and flash. So I would do all my character animation in flash and then all my backgrounds um, I would do, you know, like Photoshop or traditionally draw paint in Photoshop. No one was really, I don't think anyone was really, you know, like traditionally painting backgrounds or doing cells or anything like that. We, it would, it had gotten to the point in the, you know, 2000, cause I went to CalArts 2001 to 2006, those years 
where everybody was compositing their films in After Effects and uh, using Premiere or something like that. You know, we were all in the computer lab. And, you know, I just remember, remember times where we would be, you know, like me and my buddies would be sitting in the computer lab and watching flash films, you know, online. You know, we, we were watching all those Justin Roiland short films that he was putting out, you know, um, the uh, Doc and Marty stuff. And I think uh, the House of Cosby's was was stuff that we were really, really like interested in, and thought were really funny. Um, but the great thing was, was the camaraderie of being able to have this sort of your own workspace, work on your own films, and then look next door to your buddy and see what they're doing and almost have this kind of internal um, sort of, um, I don't know, this, this kind of battle within yourself of, man, I love what that person's doing next to me. I want to do something just as good or something better. Like a, like a friendly internal competition to, to right, make yeah. great yeah. artwork. And, uh, you know, a lot of, I think in our year, we had a lot of really amazing, talented people come out, um, that, that, that did some of, you know, the world's most favorite pieces of, of animation. It was amazing to be kind of surrounded by all that and be a part of it. And then after that, after graduating, I went on to, you know, um, doing some, me, Alex Hirsch, and a couple other guys, we did like a short for uh, Yo Gabba Gabba when we were uh, init- when they were initially pitching the idea to the show. So we had helped them and did did a short for the uh, the pilot episode of the show, and then that thing blew up. And um, but you know we were also kind of you know some some friends were, were developing a show for Cartoon Network called Flapjack. And um, I, I, I was around in that, that circle of friends at the time. And at, at me, I think at the time, I was considering myself more of a character designer at the end of my CalArts career. So I wanted to get into character yes. design. And I was helping out kind of create some like pirates for the show like the look of the pirates uh doing some like run cycles and flash of flapjack just to kind of and i don't i know i don't think we ended up ultimately using it but you know just trying to get an idea of what that show was supposed to feel like and i had a choice of either going on uh yo gabba gabba or flapjack and i i ended up going with flapjack because flapjack because those are all my buddies from college and you know we were making that so i did that for about a year and uh and ended up kind of kind of ended up kind of going off into a different direction where i felt like i needed to kind of um experiment with some different mediums because i had so much um so much curiosity with different forms of animation that I wanted to do, you know, motion graphics. I really loved music videos. I really, really loved commercials a lot because I thought the nice thing about commercials and music videos was, you know, it really lets you experiment with different types and styles of animation, color, yeah. design, uh, multimedia, you know, doing live action and animation mixed together. And these these projects were always quick turnarounds. They weren't, you know, they weren't like, 
TV shows that lasted years and years and years. You know, you could really learn and experiment with different things. And so I met some other, you know, people that kind of guided me. And I did that for about four years until uh, another friend of mine from school contacted me and said, hey, you know, there's this show called Bob's Burgers that's uh, um, that's coming out and uh, was wondering if you wanted to come and interview and and possibly take a test for it as a as a as the second character designer so i came in and bento box was doing that at the time and that was about i want to say about 10 years ago eight years ago maybe and i took the test and i think i i just barely got the job because (laughs) i was coming from more of like a cartoony kind of background of things I had pitched a show at Cartoon Network and I had a development deal for a while that was all super cartoony. And then then they basically fired every uh, creative executive because they had realized that Adult Swim was was a more, you know, profitable market for them than the children's television that they were putting out, you know, like. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls, I think at the time, around 2006, 2007, had kind of ran its course. And now they were looking for more kind of teen, adult-oriented content, like Adventure Time, you know, regular show, those those types of um, products that, that, that spoke less about, you know, kiddie sort of comedy and, and had more more comedy and more stories that kind of related to, to teen teen issues, I think, and stuff like that. So the project that I was working on straight out of college at the time, I think kind of felt more in the realm of the Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls sort of angst. Yeah. And, and that's where I had, you know, my first failure, ultimately, of not getting something made because of that <laughs> bad timing of, of things. Right. Yeah. Um, but Bob's was great. You know, Bob's was, I got in there, they, Lauren, the creator of the show questioned whether or not I was the right guy for the job because my designs were so, were more like more cartoony. And that's the big thing in, in the big stigma. I, I feel like even to this day is that adult animation has to be made for adults. Right. Yeah. You know, the design of things. They all if you look at like uh uh Family Guy, The Simpsons, King of the Hill, these shows that or and Rick and Morty even, like these shows that are considered adult animated content, you know, they all have kind of the same sort of process of of design approach. Right. Yeah. Where yeah. where it's like all the characters kind of have this same sort of humanistic proportions. Nothing's like over-exaggerated or anything like you would see in Adventure Time or um, or even like Gravity Falls, you know? Yeah. I think I think shows like Gravity Falls, though, is a good example of where adult animation could go. Like it's, I, th- I think, I think it's silly to say that adults can't appreciate good design or like interesting design. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or, or funny looking characters, you know. I think at this point, guys like me who are in getting up there at age 35 and that sort of thing, I want to see more of that type of stuff, you know. And I think 
that was the the most interesting thing about what I learned going through my whole process of of Bob's Burgers and doing more kind of adult animated content after that was realizing the process of all this stuff and, and and understanding that man I as much as I love working on Bob's and and you know I worked on the first like four seasons of that show and created a lot of the characters that you know are still there every episode that um I think what I understood for me is that I constantly need to be challenged and I need to to try different things and I want to push animation design into interesting realms and and be a part of things that are new and interesting and you know it's like when you watch a new movie and it just blows you away it takes you back and that sort of thing well there there's reasons why that happens and it's 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 because they're doing things that you hadn't seen in other movies before you know it's expressing points of view that you you might have never thought about and i just felt like if i as a character designer i could have stayed working on bobs to this day you know having a secure line of work you know getting a paycheck every week doing the same type of designs that i do every single single week but i don't think i would have been creatively fulfilled at the end of the yeah. day and i i try to set goals for myself you know be a character designer i want to be an animator and i think you have to be vocal for these things you got to talk to people and you got to express what you want to be in your in your life things aren't going to be handed to you you know they're not going to be given to you you got to you got to go out there and get it and so you know at, at, at the tail end of bobs which I, I made this decision. I, I said, I want to be an art director. You know, I could see myself, Devo, the art director. <laughs> I want to do this. Um, so I, I, I talked to the, the, the owners of Bento Box and I said, hey, do you guys offer any um, art directing positions? Because I'd love to, to give it a go if you have any projects. I, don't, I really don't care what it is. I just want to have an opportunity to, to take a project and make it as good as I possibly can visually. Um, because, you know, as just like a, as a secondary character designer, like you have to answer to so many different types of people, you know, the, the supervisor, the uh, supervising director, the, the, the creators, the networks, the producers, all these people. And you're not, it's like, you're not really getting to show people who you are on the screen. And I, I didn't spend my whole life, my whole career, you know, going through, through schools, like taking internships, doing all this stuff to basically be told what to do. And, um, and they were, they were super cool. You know, Bento was awesome. And, and, and they're another studio that I, I don't think I'd be able to, to, to be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for them giving me those opportunities. But the only reason I did that was because I was loyal. I was, I was super, you know, I was on time with my work all the time. Any anything that they needed from me, I was a team player, and I constantly, you know, was was there at at bat for them. And I think they looked at that and said, you know, yeah, let's. This guy has proved himself. Let's give him an opportunity to be. Well, we don't have a, a art director position, but maybe you'd like to be a supervisor, a character design supervisor. So they gave me. Two different shows that I ended up going on for about four years 
doing character supervision. And I learned not only, you know, about management, but just, just basically learning people's strengths. You know, what, what makes each designer unique in their own? There's some people that like drawing aliens. There's some people that don't like drawing aliens. There's some people that are really good at drawing robots. There's people that aren't good at drawing robots. You know, I have strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's it's better to be honest about that stuff than to kid yourself and try to, you know, blend in with every single thing. You can't be good at everything. That's something that I've learned over the years. You got to just pick certain things and and kind of focus on that. But also, you know, like I said, I've been I've been doing this for a long time and it's hard to not get burnt out, you know, because you're constantly working on your day job you're constantly working on your own ideas your your things that you ultimately want to pitch you know you're, you're constantly working on um you know um uh, side projects freelance and it can get very very mind-numbing at the end of the day you ask you you ask questions like what the hell am i doing here why am i <laughs> why am i killing myself for, for for this this line of work you know i but, you know, you keep reminding yourself, I'd rather be doing this than anything else. But that's why I do, you know, I growing up, I, you know, was also very physically active playing, um, you know, team sports and stuff like that. Not saying that everyone should do team sports, but I think it's good to as an artist to have secondary hobbies where you can really kind of look at things from a different perspective. Um, I had never learned how to play hockey, but picking up hockey for me, uh, in, in late in my, in my, um, life at the age of 22, 23 was huge for me because I didn't know anything about the sport, but I was, I was super intrigued by it and wanted to see if I can get good at it. I ultimately spent years, you know, learning about it on the side, refreshing my memory, you know, refreshing myself, you know, doing animation 10, 12 hours a day, going and playing hockey and, and clearing my mind from all the stresses and stuff from animation and, and also learning about what it, what it takes to be a team. You know, it's not just one person. It's, it's everybody. It's everybody collectively putting their, their their talents together and and running my own teams teaching children how to play hockey you know all these different things that i ended up doing and i never thought i would ever do in my life um really i think helped me in the management side of animation to to kind of you know understand how to field questions how to kind of manage people's time and 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 how to kind of get my ideas more respected and directed in, in certain uh, realms of things. So I ended up going to Disney after, after um, uh, working at Bento for about eight years, seven years. And the only reason I got the job at Disney, I never thought I'd work at Disney. I thought I was not that type of person, not that type of artist to be a Disney artist for that matter. Um, I just thought I, I, I had this like mindset that I wasn't good enough to be a, a Disney artist. And I think that's a, 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 I think that's something that a lot of artists um, could, can, can relate to is that this feeling that you're not good enough. And I think over the years I've looked at artwork that I've done, you know, um, from different shows or my own personal work. And I'm constantly looking at it going, Oh, what was I thinking? Or man, that could have been so much better. 
But I look at where I'm at now, and I'm really confident, more confident, more happy with the stuff that I put out. And I'm glad that I went through those trial and errors of thinking my art was good at the time, but but then yeah. also having this mindset of, you know, no, it's just like a constant learning, right? Um, um, co- constant kind of learning experience. And even to this day, I mean, I'm 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 still learning and failing and learning and failing and learning and failing, and just like Olin says, you gotta fail upwards you know yeah yeah. it's pretty it's pretty much uh so so true i think you've you've really done a great job incorporating all those ideas into the show and uh i hope i'm not i'm hope i'm not uh you know talking too much or (laughs) rambling on (laughs) i I tend to do this a lot and uh um but uh at the same time uh you know, I think uh, I think it's I think it's good to talk about these these stories and be open about yeah. it because for anybody that is listening that wants to be you know an artist, an animator, art director, creator, you know it's 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 always going to be a process. Nothing's going to come overnight. You know, you really got to put the hours in in order to 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 reap the benefits of a fruitful career in animation and uh i think you know i'm really proud of you know looking at my my resume you know now i've i've stacked up a really good resume of of body of work that i could use to take me to better places in my career you know have my own show one day or um you know work on a feature i'd love to work on a feature and art direct a feature one day i think that would be amazing but i have to do these things i have to you know art direct for a while and at this point you know it's like the only and going back to the disney thing the only reason i got the disney job was because of my internship back when i was in high school and you know that's a big thing is that relationships in animation you know being a team player being a good person just not being a butthead to work with is is so so honestly true like sometimes more important than just being talented i mean you could be talented but you could be complete you know trash to work with and you know who wants to work with someone that's going to make your life like miserable every day and I think, you know, building those relationships over time could help you out in the future. And like I said, you know, a, a relationship that I had built 20, 15 years ago prior helped me get into Disney and get me to file space ultimately. And my relationships at Bento Box too got me to final space. And, you know, I learned a lot, you know, doing more character supervision at Disney on uh, Future Worm and then working on DuckTales as a layout artist for a couple episodes and a couple other shows at Disney. You know, just that taught me a lot more about quality of work working at Disney and the amount and the type of things to really um, pinpoint and look at, look after, you know, when you're looking at a design. I mean, hell, um, DuckTales had a um, had a production guide that was about 150 pages long on how to draw, wow. you know, those ducks, and that's mind-numbingly 
crazy to me uh just because i feel like i feel like in a weird way you're 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 kind of restricting people but at the same time you're you're really keeping the quality of work solidified um and then, you know, after that, uh, while, I was, while I was at Disney, I saw the pilot. I didn't know anything about Olin at all. And I didn't know anything about his, his, his YouTube channel, his history, nothing. And I remember watching the pilot at work because one of the producers, Tobias, who I had worked with on Bob's, our first season, um, him and I, you know, built a great relationship with each other. And and ultimately, he was um, a big part. Him and, and Caitlin Bertram, Bertram were a huge part of me getting my foot in the door with Olin and, and David Sachs and, yeah. you know, Mike Roberts, these guys that ultimately, you know, gave me the opportunity to be the art director of Final Space. You know, this was my my chance. This was my ticket in was I heard that they were looking for an art director and Tobias, Caitlin knew that I was finishing up at Disney and saw it as an opportunity to bring me in. So I came in, I remember the interview like it was yesterday, came in, super rainy day. I was very, very nervous about driving on the freeway because my car would always fishtail and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to risk this. I don't care. This is what I want to be. I want to be an art director. I'm going to risk this. I'm going to come with all my, with my portfolio. I got... I got a book that I had made that I had put together myself. I, I'm going to give it out as gifts to everybody so they could see how passionate about, I am about making art and, and doing my thing. And uh, I really thought I was really nervous meeting Olin. And, because I really, liked, I, liked the, I really liked the pilot of Final Space. I really yeah. liked that we, they, were doing, they were trying to do a more kind of serious drama, but with a kind of you know comedic adult sort yeah. of undertone to it that, that lighthearted feel to it yeah that lighthearted feel and i you know i was so used to, to to the the kind of you know family guy you know type of humor that was just more crude yeah and yeah. less less building character and, the, and yeah the heart- typical adult cartoons yeah Right, you know, heartful moments, that sort of thing. Um, the typical, yeah, the typical cartoon. And it was nice to see, you know, characters having very um, um, realistic stakes that they were having to um, basically deal with. And, uh, and um, you know, characters that you could fall in love with and could not be there the next episode. <laughs> Um, I'm sure we'll I, get to that at some point. Soon. Yeah, yeah, I like that stuff. <laughs> but you know, um, getting getting into um, uh, them finally giving me the opportunity. You know, that I got hired for Final Space as the art director, and um, I started bringing on people that I had really respected that I had worked with over the years. So Tobias, you know, being trustworthy. Tobias and Caitlin being trustworthy in me and Mike Roberts also being very uh, trusting in my abilities and, and just my, um, my past and, and my, 
I think just my professionalism in animation, they, they allowed me to kind of bring on the people that I wanted to bring on to help make Final Space, you know, get to a level that I felt like it, it, it needed to, to be as cinematic as we were trying to get it to. Yeah, which, and you know, you that, which that actually brings me to my my next question is that sure. like what what did you want to bring to this this show as an art director? So like, what were you trying to put into a project like this? I think I think what I was noticing in in the initial pilot was I think all the ideas were there, but I I felt like a lot of the techniques were very similar to shows like Rick and Morty. And I was trying to figure out how we could kind of separate ourselves from them and, you know, from the obvious things so that people wouldn't harp on it too much. Because I don't want to go into making something that people instantly think it's a ripoff of something else. That's not what I spent my whole life wanting to do. And especially this moment of being an art director, it's like, it'd be stupid of me to just copy and paste an idea so it was it was more or less me kind of taking these ideas and and what type of i love you know sci-fi movies i love you know aliens john carpenter films you know things that really have cinematic dark moments and it's 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 taking the designs because i can't i can't take the designs from the initial pilot and make it completely different because that's not what sold the show. You know, there has to still be elements of it that are, that are there. So, you know, there are things that I immediately looked at at the pilot that I thought could be improved just for the sake of animation, for getting better performances in the character animation. One um, very obvious example would be if you look at Gary's hair design in the initial pilot, He's got very, very like stringy hair, like yeah. lots of like lines and, and layers and stuff like that. And me being an animator in the past, I used to always get frustrated when when characters had so much going on that it would that I had to basically, you know, so much design going on that I, that you had to keep track of that it made it hard to to be relaxed and fluid with the animation. Like the the more simple you can make a design, the the more fun the animator will have working. Yeah, with and, the and I think I've heard you you guys mention that before. Is you wanted to create this very very cinematic universe, but at the same time, streamline everything that it was simple enough for the eye to follow. Exactly, simple enough because the the characters, you know, you want your your main characters to be interesting, but you don't want distractions you don't want too many distractions especially with like background characters and and just too much going on in 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 backgrounds in general but um i think uh uh you know the interesting thing was was a lot of the guys that i had worked with over at disney that i became really good friends with ultimately ended up working on you know like rick and morty and stuff like that so like brent knoll uh uh tommy um, a bunch of, a bunch of different guys that I worked with, um, Justin Knoll, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of these designers, uh, Jack Terry, I mean, there's, there's so many different people that I'm, I'm so happy jumped on to help out with this, 
the sci-fi thing. And I think the reason that I, I, I brought these guys on, these guys and girls, onto this production was that not because they worked on Rick and Morty, but because they understood the, the sci-fi aspect of things. Yeah. You know, they understood... Um, they understood what it takes to make something, you know, unique and, cin- and cinematic. And they understood how to do, like, ship design or um, design different worlds, that sort of thing. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted to kind of challenge them to see if we could come up with something different. You know, they're, they're initially going to be, I, I feel like, go to those same places that they're used to with, with you know, doing stuff like Rick and Morty and, and whatnot. But if we can kind of push them in a different direction that makes it feel like it's something else, then that's a huge win at the end of the day for me. Um, you know, our Final Space is, is also a show that's completely different than any show that you'll, 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 you'll work on because yeah. it's heavily composited, whereas a lot of these other shows aren't really composited as heavy as, as we do. You know, we do a lot of After Effects kind of tweaking after we get all the animation and all the backgrounds are, are spliced together. Yeah. We try to add more, you know, depth, more kind of darkness to things to, to, to make it blend a little bit better. Um, little things too, like if you notice the way the characters are designed in Final Space from the pilot, they're kind of treated the same way that they do in Rick and Morty, where like if you look at the characters in Rick and Morty, that their their heads are basically on sticks, right? There's no, there, and I, <laughs> the guys at the at the studio will laugh at me because I'm always harping about this, but I I I like characters that that feel like they're fully attached from the head down to the toe, yeah. Meaning that right here, like if you look at the characters in Rick and Morty, if their their heads there's this line that connects the back of their, their neck to the chin, which, which makes the head feel detached, you know, like it's not a part of the body. Um, but the, the big, and we ended up kind of keeping that same sort of look with final space for season one. But now in season two, we're kind of changing that and we're taking away that line so now the body feels more connected to the head and i wish i can i'm I'm sure this is very confusing but when you see the when you actually see season two you'll you'll notice a a a little bit of a quality change with with the character designs and i think it's ultimately separating us more from these other shows that that you might might have seen in the past um but you know, just like color choices too, the way the way we do you know color with certain things, I I like to kind of pick very um, pop arty '80s inspired type of color palettes, just because that's what I love in in art and film. So like with the Galaxy One, you know, the Galaxy One was was a big. Um, a big process of of me and Mike Roberts doing a bunch of like thumbnail sketches of what we thought the ship should be because we said, oh, well, it's supposed to be like a um, kind of like a maintenance ship that Gary gets um, imprisoned on and he's supposed to just go around the galaxy fixing things, you know, fixing 
um, satellites and stuff like that. Um, so we should make this look like kind of like a clunker type of thing. And I was always inspired by like, uh, you know, um, star tours at Disneyland, you know, that whole ship that they fly in. So it kind of had that boxy sort of look to it. So we would, you know, do these sketches and then we'd hand it off to guys like, you know, um, like Tommy and Brent and they would work with me to kind of come up with what ultimately ended up being the final look of the ship. And, you know, the show is very heavy on, you know, CG. So all the ships, anything that's, you know, um, basically vehicles and stuff like that is all CG. And we try to do, try to make them look as organic as possible as far as having the line work and, and detail on the inside rather than it looking like a SketchUp model or yeah. like a like a 3D model that's been completely traced. It looks, you know, and, and this is like, you know, this is like a new style of production, too, that we were doing. We were doing every single background for season one. And at some points, we had an episode or two that were 300 backgrounds per episode which is crazy and unheard of wow in most shows i think it's only about 100 to 120 but we had like 300 and that's because the style of the directing you know the the directing was you know meant to be more dynamic where you'd have like different angles and different like composited um composed shots that would make it seem more cinematic and less like a two camera shot you know sitcom yeah Talking to a few of the other crew members, they they mentioned basically each episode is like its own, you know, kind of mini movie. Yeah. Uh, within a twenty minute time span. Yeah, and that's so that's so fun for me. You know, it's so it's so much more of a challenge and more creatively fulfilling to be to be working on something like that. Because, you know, sci fi is great to work on because you can, you know, create a whole universe. You know, rather than doing like a uh, like a sitcom where you pretty much are doing things that are relative to reality. You know, like, oh, we got a family that are living in anywhere USA and they're doing wacky fun stuff with a talking animal or something like that. Um, It's more interesting for me to, to work on something like Final Space um, where you every episode we get to do something kind of unique and, and different. And, you know, like season two, uh, Ben Bajelajek, he's our, um, you know, our supervising director. Now he's taken on the reins and he's man, he's been doing such an amazing job. We got 13 episodes now, you know, from the 10 that we did last season. And this show is like stepped up big time from, from where we're at. And, you know, I, I took the approach with the design to make it more uh, to this is going to be like our darker. This is going to be like our Empire Strikes Strikes Back, <laughs> I guess you could say. Or Return of the Jedi. I forget which one's darker. But, um, you know, it's like I, I always like I was always inspired by, you know, like Hellboy and Mignola's work growing up in, in college that I wanted to add more kind of more shadow. Yeah. to our backgrounds you know more more of a um um a darker feel for the universe um because yeah. i felt yeah. like a lot of the backgrounds from season one in final space were a little bit too clean and and guys like mike 
Roberts had pointed out to me like later on in the season that we, you know, we, we, we probably, we, we need to, we need to tell more of a story in these, a lot of these backgrounds. And we ended up doing that probably past episode five of, of final space. But that's what a lot of these new shows are. It's kind of like, uh, you know, an evolution like of, of starting with an idea and like shipping away with at it every episode and trying to figure out what's the best possible way. I would say by like episode seven of final space, that's when we really hit our stride with the design of things. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just started beautifully coming together. And now it's season two, episode one, we're just like coming right out of the gate looking, looking awesome. And, uh, you know, Ben, Ben did such a great job with his, his director team and with all of his board artists to come up with episodes that are just really awesome, really unique in their own way and way more fun and way more immersive than what we had in season one. And, um, you know, the collaboration with Jamfield too, you know, them having more responsibility with like the CG work definitely will definitely shows in, in this season. And uh, I'm I'm really 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 proud of the work and and can't wait for everybody to see it. It should we're getting we're getting all the animation back. I think we're like episode five, episode four right now. We're getting we're getting back and we've got like two in the can. So um, it's getting there. So I I would assume in the next like month or two that we'll we'll start seeing, you know, like trailers and stuff coming out for it cool yeah yeah um can you just give like i know a lot of people out there just wonder you know what what goes into from beginning to end how to how to make an episode can you just give like a a really brief overview of you know the process from pre-production yeah so usually what happens is that you know olin and dave and 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 the writers will will kind of come up with a, a a few premises for different episodes you know from start to end a to b of where the season is going to go and uh you know we'll get uh, on the design of the things we'll get a script and we'll read through it and we'll get an idea of what type of world we're going to be in what what new characters might be involved with um and then the ben and his team will start roughing out animatics based off of what they see in the boards and Prior to them getting started, we try to get some some of the new characters designed for them, so they have the board artists have something to work off of. Um, so it's not just them coming up, but at the same time, you know, at the same time, it's kind of nice for board artists to to use their imagination too and come up with like ideas of, you know, uh, establishing shots and, and yeah. compositing uh, worlds and stuff like that. This this season's been fun because a lot of our board artists um, have been able to create some ideas that we've ultimately taken and designed for them. So it gives everybody an opportunity to have a piece of the pie, you know, to to create characters, to create uh, backgrounds, worlds, and stuff like that, rather than it being so micromanaged to where we design everything and you guys have to have to follow our lead you know yeah it's more final spaces go ahead talk to the crew uh and i know a lot of them have just really praised you know the supervising team just because they do get to incorporate those inspirations that they have in their daily life pop culture that they love and bringing all these things together to ultimately 
take this huge tapestry of people just to create an incredible universe. Yeah. And I, you know, I, me being a production artist before for such a long time, I had instances where I hated feeling micromanaged constantly. Yeah. Uh, meaning, you know, people looking over your shoulder and telling you to fix this, fix that, fix that. I just feel like it doesn't really bode a lot of trust in the people that you're hiring if you're constantly doing that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It almost feels like I'm still in school, still in college. Um, I, I hire people because I respect their work and I, and I want to work with them. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. if you're coming up with your own comic book or something like that and you have someone, you're writing it and you have someone you want to illustrate it. You know, you, you have this person illustrate your book because you love their work and you want them to do a great job. Doesn't mean that I'm going to go in there and say, oh, move this arm like this, move this like this, like constantly. There are moments where I have to do that, but I try not to do it too much because I feel like you need to kind of build trust in people and, and let them have fun and, and come up with their own and use their imagination to come up with, with things that ultimately will make Final Space more unique on its own. Rather yeah. than me trying to say, like, this is what a show should look like. So you got to follow every certain thing. I basically, you know, when I start on a new show, I create a couple I create a bunch of artwork that inspires hopefully inspires people to go in that direction you know it's like coming up with like how backgrounds should look how characters should be designed you know it's it's kind of what I did with season one final space it's like redesigned all the characters um, to be more animation friendly and create backgrounds that were um, way more immersive and more detailed and and uh, had more cinematic value to it um, that the compositors could also use as inspiration to add more cinematic quality quality to each shot. Um, but yeah, after after you know all the design and and backgrounds are pretty much done, you know we we send these packets uh, up to Jamfield, and they will you know go off of the animatics and go off of all of our designs that we send them, and they'll incorporate that into Harmony because we do everything in Photoshop. You know, we do yeah. all of our backgrounds, yeah. characters, all that stuff in Photoshop, and then that will all get sent up to Canada to get animated by these geniuses, and uh, and then they do what they you know because it's also te teaching taste is very hard to do, right. You know, and that's something I think, you know, we we struggle with sometimes is, you know, we here in the States, we have our, you know, ultimately our idea of what Final Space should look like at the end of the day. Um, but trying to get other people to kind of be on that same page is a little bit rough because we do so much tweaking and trying things and whatnot um, through compositing that... You can't necessarily just say it's gonna. It looks just like this. We gotta kind of look at the whole thing overall and, and make adjustments as we go along. So it's definitely a process where Jamfield will 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 do the show the way they think it it should look like, and then we'll go in and polish it even more to kind of give it that extra flavor, right. that final space uh, Tabasco sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, who's your favorite character? If you could say. <laughs> uh, man, I think uh, I think I like either Lil Cotto or Tribor. 
Tribor always makes me laugh. Any any character Olin does makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> he is Olin Olin is such an awesome dude. Like uh I've built such a great relationship with that guy. And he he's like you know, I, I am so loyal to that dude because he's given me so many opportunities and he's trusted me and gone up to bat for me so many times to where I, I think there's no question about the choices that I make a lot of the times anymore. And I, and I, and it makes it so much easier to do my job and it makes the job, I think more fun for all the artists to when we can all really have a good time and, and collaborate on all this stuff and, uh, and make stuff that, that looks awesome. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing myself justice if I, if I didn't try to try to make the best looking film or best looking show that I thought I could make. And this season was a lot more efficient too, because I got to do more uh, color scripts for each episode, which speeds up the process and makes the backgrounds look way better. I think Um, rather than, and I don't, so the, the whole idea of color scripting is basically blocking out every sequence in an episode with an idea of what the color and what the mood should be like. And then the the board are, are the background artists, the background painters using that as a palette to grab from to to just do the base flat colors. Yeah. And then it gives them more time to add all those special like, you know, highlights and lowlights and, you know, shadows mm. and midtones just to, to boost the quality of of the backgrounds more than them trying to noodle around and going back and forth with me and Olin and and the producers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've seen Olin, you know, post those, those backgrounds, uh, little, you know, drops before the second season comes out and they've looked and incredible. There's way, so. way. I mean, those are just like little pieces too. I mean, there's way more yeah. awesome stuff that's, that's coming. So, awesome. um, but yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's, he's definitely give, given me a, uh, a stage to, you know, to, to show my, my art and, you know, he, there's not a lot of creators that are like that. You know, there's not a lot of creators that really trust in the people that they're working with that will, you know, give you these opportunities. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm absolutely in debt to, to him for, for allowing me to, to do this. All right. Um, so what has been your favorite moment of working on the show? Maybe a, moment of revelation or clarity working on an episode or working with specific people or creating a design hmm i think um i don't know if necessarily a design i think yeah that's a tough question um i think for me the episodes that i like the most are the more heartfelt driven episodes more cinematic episodes like we right. have like this season we have some really cool almost like um twilight zone type of type okay. of episodes yeah that just don't feel like anything that i've ever like seen or worked on it's just so refreshing to be working on stuff like this instead of um sitcom-y type of stuff or or even children's television for that matter that um that those are my favorite moments those are like the most challenging the most like you know i'm getting my my hands 
oh, I can't wait to do this sort of thing. You know, just that that excitement of of jumping into. And I wish I could go more into detail on the specifics of it, but we got to wait until it all comes out ultimately. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, like season season one, I think, you know, doing all the 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 mind palace stuff, all the Bolo stuff yeah, that, is really, that was really cool. Yeah, working with Keith David. Dude, Keith David was one of my favorites growing up. And just to just to have these type of voice actors, you know, Tom Kenny and stuff like that. Guys that are super genuine, kind people that come in here and do amazing voices for our show. It's so awesome to be a part of. And uh I mean there there's just a bunch of different things that I can I can pinpoint as as my favorite things but i would have to say just like the more cinematic for me the better awesome yeah mm-hmm. all right well we're gonna take a pause and then come back for fan sections respond cool all right folks we'll be back in just a few moments for devo to answer some of your questions submitted through into final space discord and through the final space subreddit i'll see you in a minute Welcome back to Into Final Space. I am Gabe Jones, and we are back with Devo, Art Director of Final Space, here to answer some of your questions on Fantrexian's Respond. So let's get into it. All right, so here are just a few questions from your Fantrexians out there. So we've got Mord Gumball from the Into Final Space Discord server asking, what are your inspirations when you create characters and worlds visually, and uh, how did you come up with like the main character designs? Um, a lot of, I'd say a lot of my inspiration comes from a, the talented artists that I work with B the, um, a lot of just, uh, sci-fi film that we might be referencing, um, certain episodes from. So a lot of the times, you know, like Ben and I will, will be, cause we shared an office all throughout season two. And him and I will just constantly just talk about um, certain things that we want to do for for episodes. And, you know, the same goes for for season one where, um, you know, those episodes have characters, especially background characters that um, have a little bit more of a like a quirkiness to them and less less serious. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, where. You know, a lot of the characters are really kind of fun to look at and less less realistic human proportions and stuff like that. So we actually a lot the the whole universe we created in season one, we bring back a lot of those characters in season two, and now they have actual roles that make a difference in the universe of Final Space. But um yeah, I'd say I'd say a lot of inspirations come from um Mostly, mostly film, sci-fi film. You know, like uh, um, movies like Sunshine were really huge for Final Space. A lot of the the design of Gary inside of the helmet um, yeah. are inspired from Sunshine, and you know, diff- different films that Olin is is fans of, especially John Woo movies and stuff like that. That he threw in little little pieces. Uh, what was the last part of that question? Sorry. Oh, uh, where where did you come up with the or how did you come up with the main character designs? I guess oh. you know, streamlining and 
Yeah. Well, so um, you know, those the 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 main characters. Obviously, Mooncake was probably the only one that didn't really change that yeah. much. Um, but uh, Gary and Quinn changed a, a hell of a lot. Um, and I think Kevin, Kevin, Kevin changed a lot, and Avocado changed a lot. Gary didn't change that much, but he changed. Um, a lot of those choices came from the collaboration between Mike and I. So Mike had done some rough sketches, and then I took some of those sketches and did some altercations to it based on what I thought was visually pleasing to myself and what would be easier to animate um, at the end of the day. So just just simplification of of um of shapes and proportions i felt were needed to to make the show more iconic to make gary more iconic looking um to give more expressiveness to characters like um avocado and and stuff like that uh kevin i felt like was 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 pretty complicated in the uh in the pilot and we simplified him a little bit more in in season one um so uh yeah you know it's just it's just little things here and there and and also adding you know adding shadows to all the characters that was a big thing i wanted to do is adding shadows underneath the characters um chins just to make make their their volumes kind of pop out a little bit more uh shadows in their mouths shadows underneath certain parts so those were the ideas that i I had started with with the kind of shadow treatment of things and we didn't really do it that much in the backgrounds we kind of we we hinted that we wanted to go in that direction later in the season but now in season two i mean you've seen some of the stuff that olin's posted on his uh instagram and twitter and stuff they're they're you know we're going a little bit heavier on on the cinematic quality of using shadows to uh, express um, mood and drama a lot more. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, so from Reddit, we have uh, it's your boy potato um, asking which characters design went through the most changes as you developed the first season. Um, I would have to say it was either. Who was it? Maybe, maybe, maybe Tribor? No, no, Tribor was pretty quick. Tribor was was uh, was my my fun. Was that I like that? I like doing goofy stuff like with with Tribor. I'm I I kind of tend to do more like goofy characters with with my design <laughs> a lot of the times, but um, I I don't know. I think that just comes from my my child. Um, childish background <laughs> with that stuff but i'd say probably it was either kevin or quinn quinn went through a, a, a ton of different changes because she looked very very generic in season one or i mean in uh in the pilot right yeah she didn't really look like she had a lot of character um or she just kind of felt like a excuse me like a background character right yeah yeah more yeah. or less so we, you know, we added things like the headband on her, um, gave her a little bit more like sass, 
I guess you could say. Um, but the big change that we did from season one to season two with Quinn was, um, you know, she had very noodle noodle arms and noodle legs in season one. So now we've given her more of a more of a figure, and like the carrot, like, and there was no diff, there was no way to kind of differentiate the the male and the female like hands and stuff like that. Like we were just using male hand designs pretty much for all characters. So Quinn would look like she, she had those like Mickey mouse gloves <laughs> from like Disneyland that you get those giant ones, you know, when she had like smaller wrists and supposed to have smaller hands. So we've like proportionally made the characters, I think look physically more, um, physically stronger, you know, right. for, and for certain reasons that you'll, you'll find out in season two. Cool. All right. Um, so you have a series of two questions from uh, Dangerous underscore Wishbone on Reddit. Um, the first being, do you have a process when you're coming up with these crazy alien designs or do they just kind of come to you in dreams or revelations? Well, um, a lot of that, a lot of like the alien designs aren't, are more reflections of what I've done with some of the other characters, um, some yeah. of the main characters. Um a lot of that, like a lot of the the early main care, a lot of the aliens from season one were probably mostly designed by Carrie Capella, and uh, she she designed a ton of them, and she was a beast when it came to designing aliens. But um, it's it's more or less kind of me looking looking at these initial takes and making adjustments on them based on what I thought they should look like, and then you know, the, the character designers going to town on them and, uh, and having a good time. Like I said, I'm not the most, I'm not the most micromanagey type of person. So it's, it's more of a collaborative thing. This, this show is, is just as equally as much the artist's show as it is mine. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and that's how it should be, you know, like all of us should have a piece of the, you know, these, these artists that you talk to and stuff, they, they are just equally, you know, as much should have the, the, the spotlight in their, their um, position in final space as much as I should. And I think that's kind of how it should always be. Right. Cool. Awesome. Um, And so the, Second question, and I think you you kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, so there's been some hinting at a slight change in art style for the next season. Um, yeah, what can we expect, and will there be a like an absolutely noticeable shift? Um, I think it will be noticeable for. Uh, yeah, this is always a tough one because it's always that question of, you know, pe- people that are are artists. That, that really kind of focus in on the art style, I think would notice it, or, yeah. or people that are just f- huge fans of, of art in animation in general might notice a big shift. I think you'll definitely feel like the show is, is, is the quality level is, is higher. It's, a, it's almost like looking at Star Wars compared to Guardians of the Galaxy, like the old Star Wars movies compared to Guardians right. of the Galaxy. It's like that boost in quality in technology and stuff like that. I feel may, maybe that's 
I don't know. Maybe that's the best uh, ex- explanation I can give for that. That's, but I think, I think, yeah, I think you'll notice a big, a big change in the the design, especially the color too. Is one of the big things that I decided to do was to kind of desaturate colors a little bit because okay. I felt like colors were a little bit too loud. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me and answering these questions today. Yeah. No problem. Well, that is it for this special episode. Huge thanks to Devo for joining me today and the crew at Shadow Machine, as always, for helping me get this together. We have more special guests coming up on the schedule, including line producer Tobias Trost, as well as some other crew Trexians from Shadow Machine. If you want to submit some of your questions for our next interview, join the Ending Final Space Discord or keep us with us on the Final Space subreddit, always posting there. As always, remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Into Final Space. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you next time on Into Final Space.